Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. I'm Bill Hemmer. This is Hemmer Time. Hogan Gidley, welcome to the podcast. Good day. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the time. Uh, Hogan is the press secretary for the Trump re-election team, formerly at the White House. Uh, you've been with the president from the beginning, I do believe, right? 2017? That's just about right. I came in in October of that first first year, and uh, Sarah Sanders, who who I've known for about 19, 20 years now. Uh, I worked for her dad when he was actually governor of Arkansas and got to meet her when she was still in in college. And so we were really close and I was being put somewhere in the administration somehow. And then eventually when Sarah took over as press secretary, she called and said, no, we're not putting you anywhere else. You need to come right over here and work with me. And I said, absolutely. So So she was your hookup then, so to speak, right? Yes. In the professional sense, yes, she was. Yeah, understood. Uh, So the Democrats have wrapped up their four nights. You're up. It's your turn. What does the Republican convention look like next week? Well, it's going to be a whole lot different uh, from the standpoint of just uh, theme and, um, you know, and thought of, of how we view um, the fundamental goodness, the fundamental greatness of um, this country. I mean, I mean, America is the greatest idea ever realized. We are a beacon of hope, of compassion, of strength across this planet. And, um, you know, that, that's how we believe most Americans think of America. And, and Democrats spent the last four days talking about America as inherently evil and being the cause of problems all over the world, too. And we just fundamentally disagree uh, with that premise. And so you're going to see, uh, quite frankly, a stark difference in the way we present not just the incredible record-setting success in record-setting time of this president, but the just the inherent belief that this country is is a force for good, and so I think that's going to be um, one of the things that jumps out most if someone got to watch the Dem convention and then flips over okay. and sees ours. Uh, shape the four days for us. Monday is in Charlotte, correct? With a couple hundred delegates. Do I have that right? Uh, well, we, we look we. <laughs> I don't want to get too far into specifics because we're gonna, you know, we're gonna kind of roll things out here as as uh, as as the days dictate. I, I know that we have the land of promise, the land of opportunity, the land of heroes, and the land of greatness. Our theme, uh, overarching, is the honoring of the great American story. And there's so many incredible people across this country. Obviously, North Carolina is where we were going to have the convention early on. Uh, we're talking about having a pretty good presence there. We have surprises for everybody each day. Um, we looked at Jacksonville, Florida, too, after after the governor played a little politics with us. So we, we were going to have some stuff happening down there, too. And, of course, the culmination with the president accepting the nomination uh, again uh, over at the White House mm-hmm. should be an incredible week. And um, we're looking forward to it. Uh, why did he settle on the White House? 
Well, you know, it's funny. I, I love the fact that President Trump can live rent free in the heads of, of Democrats and most of the mainstream media because they don't want him speaking anywhere. They didn't like him speaking at Mount Rushmore. They pitched a fit when he spoke in the Rose Garden, and they are furious that he is going to speak at the White House. Um, but you notice the common theme there. They just don't want him speaking um, anywhere because they know his message of, of uplifting unifying patriotic visions for this country um, really resonates with the American people. And you've seen that this week leading up to our convention. We've we've not been dormant. This president's been to Minnesota, Wisconsin, uh, Arizona, uh, Pennsylvania. And, um, you know, he's, he's taken that. Yeah, yeah, Iowa. He's taken the message directly to the American people. And we believe without the filter of the mainstream media kind of to cloud what we're talking about, that it's, it's going to prove successful for this administration and this president. And so we're looking forward okay. to a great speech from the White House. So I, I, I'm, I'm going to try and draw you out as best I can here. Was Gettysburg okay. given serious thought? Uh, I don't want to get too much into the inner workings. I, I can just I, I can say it like this. The president, obviously, if anybody knows anything about performance or production, it's the man who had a number one show on NBC for a decade uh, or more. It's Donald Trump. So. We looked at a lot of different places, um, but but we settled on on obviously the White House. And let's be clear, Democrats don't like that. They say we're wasting taxpayer dollars. But you know, and I know, if he got on a plane uh, on Air Force One and went to another site, they would say, well, he's using taxpayer dollars to fly there, and he's creating some type of super spreader COVID event too. I mean, it, it doesn't matter what he does; they hate it. And so, when we looked at a couple of options, we just felt it best that the president. Stay, stay right there at the White House and deliver the speech. Okay, uh, so from, from home. I'm listening to the message, and what you're telling us is that there's going to be a clear contrast between Democrats and Republicans in their message. You're going to be 70-some-odd days away from the election. Can you describe the convention? I mean, it's COVID times, right, Hogan? I, a, lot sure. of, a lot of things are changing by the hour and by the day. Is this still coming together? Um, it, it's, it's close to finality. I don't want to, uh, again, get too far ahead because this is something the president wants to announce and discuss. Um, but it's, it's pretty close. Uh, there's not too many more things to do, but, but dot a couple of I's and cross a couple of T's, but, um, it looks really good and we're excited about unveiling it okay. for the American people. I, I'm in television. So I look at a lot of this stuff, uh, from a, with a producer's eye and I, I know you're not, but from a technical standpoint, what did you learn watching the Democrats this week? Well, you know, I, I was a television news reporter and anchor before I got into politics, so I have somewhat of an eye of, of making sure things look right as well. Um, I, I think I don't want to get too much into the production of it because, you know, I, I saw a lot of Zoom calls. I saw a lot of um, folks, you know, you, we, we put out a, a picture, I guess it was yesterday, of all the clapping after one of the speeches, and there were duplicates. Um, in the same shot, there were three people duplicated to make it look like there were more people. Things like that that we saw that, that obviously we didn't like. There are some thought processes on our side when we look and see the Democrats, how it had dragged along a little bit. Um, it, was, it was quite boring, according to, quite frankly, members of the mainstream media. And so, you know, we, we want to make sure people are engaged and, and that people are informed. And that, that's really probably two of the, the most important things for us because the president does have a pretty strong record at three years in office. And uh, we want to get that, that message out to the American people yeah. uh, clearly and succinctly as possible. Uh, how much could be virtual? Do you know that yet? Uh, again, I know you, you are trying to draw yeah, me out. Yeah, this is very, very, <laughs> very, very my, impressive. It's my job. <laughs> I, I know. Um, 
Look, there'll be parts of it virtual, of course, for, for obvious reasons. Uh, but, you know, we're trying to do as much stuff in person and live as we can. Um, the feel's better. The excitement's better. Um, and if we can do it safely, uh, we're going to make sure that, that it, it's, it's done. Because, look, it, it's all about getting engagement. It's all about ginning up excitement and enthusiasm. And when we have our, our social media platforms receiving more than 1.1 billion views already um, in this campaign, that tells you people want to see it and want to watch what we're doing. And so as we lead up to the start, we want to keep that momentum going. We want to take some of the things we've learned in our digital shows and duplicate that. We want to take things we learned from the Democrat convention and, and, and learn from those too. And that's, that's the benefit of going second. You get to see what the other side has, the best they have to offer. It wasn't great. And so uh, we want to make people, you know, really appreciate Mm -hmm. not just the production value, the folks like you uh, who understand it, but it's all about getting out information. Yeah, I've, um, I, I know you're pitching your side and your story, and I, I just want to put that aside for a moment here. From your standpoint, if night one and night two was off six million viewers from four years ago, what, what, is, what mm-hmm. does that tell us about how people are accessing these events? Well, we'll wait and see what what the ratings do here. Um, you know, I, I would obviously argue that um, you know it, there was a, a large boring factor to a lot of it. If you want to, if you want to know the truth, I think that's part of it. I think they don't have a really good product to sell either. Um, you know, Joe Biden's been in political office for ha- uh, half of a, a century. I mean, fifty years of of, of um, elected office. I still don't know what he's what qualifies him to be president. I watched it the entire time. And basically they had two themes. One was Donald Trump's horrible. Okay. Well, we got that based on a fake impeachment and a phony Russian witch hunt. You guys don't like him. We understand. I mean, 95% of the news coverage on him is negative. So I get it. But also the second thing they've been pushing is Joe Biden's a nice guy. Great. I know a lot of nice guys. I know a lot of nice girls. It doesn't mean they should be president. My granddad was a great guy. Didn't want him sitting behind the resolute desk. So we, we, we're we seeing what they are putting out there. We're going to kind of do some comparing and contrasting because after all, elections at their core are about choices. And uh, we think it's incumbent upon us to make sure that that in order to get excitement and to keep numbers up and keep people engaged and keep people watching, you've got to deliver a product that they actually uh, want to see. That includes the production, but also the candidate uh, himself. Okay. Um, you mentioned this a few moments ago. I just want to come back to it. How much input is the president giving his team on how that that works next week? <laughs> um, it's his convention. Um, it's, it's most likely his last convention um, before he gets reelected. And I can guarantee you, um, let, me, let me just put it like this. Oftentimes, the president will tell you, he's told me many times, go out and we'll be at Bedminster. Go out and play golf. Go out. I want you to enjoy it. I want you to enjoy it. The reason he does that is because when you come back, not only does he want you to enjoy it, he also asks what you think of the tee box on on hole six and how he moved it 100 yards back or, or 50 yards to the left. Or what about this cart path? Should it be, should it split earlier? I mean, those are the questions I get after I play golf. After, of course, he wants to know, after he wants to make sure, of course, he beat me, which he does every single time. But he cares that much about specificity and about the detail. He did that with his show, The Apprentice. So I'm telling you that because the anecdote kind of proves the point. He cares about it. He wants the people to see it. Uh, he wants the people to understand that he didn't have to do this. And he's been fighting on their behalf 
leaving a very lucrative position to come into the White House and work nonstop to make people's lives better. And so he cares about the way it looks. And so he's been in- intimately involved with the entire process. You're suggesting he's into detail. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> I'll take that as a hint. Hogan Gidley, stand by. More in a moment. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Stay on top of the latest news and information from Fox News. Listen and download the Fox News Hourly Update on your time. The trending stories you need anytime you want it. Listen and download now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Back here with Hogan Gidley, Press Secretary for the Trump re-election team. Just a few more questions, Hogan. There was a piece in the Wall Street Journal a few days ago suggesting there, the undecided voter no longer exists. And people are very hardened into their ideas and they've already picked sides. What do you think of that evaluation? I don't necessarily believe that. Polling shows that there are a large swath of voters out there still undecided, still trying to figure out exactly where um, they they want to see the next four years go. Off the top Um, of your head, what is the percentage? Do you know? Uh, I, I'm not sure what 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 I've seen on on public polling. I, obviously, I know what our internals show. Um, but look, elections oftentimes in the press are focused on the middle and where they're going to go, the independents. But they often overlook the fact that the bases need to be energized as well. Our bases is clearly energized for this president. It looks like 78 percent of the people voting for President Trump are voting for him because he's President Trump. Only 38 percent are voting for Joe Biden because he's Joe Biden. That tells us a lot. And to put it in perspective for the Democrats, 42 percent of the people voted for Hillary Clinton because she was Hillary Clinton. So it's a much lower number are supporting Joe because he's Joe. Um, That tells us a few things. Um, But but also it lets us know that um, the media continues to fixate on people being entrenched in their own foxholes and and solid with their positions uh, because those are the ones who tend to be most fervent and make for the best clickbait, make for the best headlines. Um, it takes a little more work to get out there and find people still not sure about what they're going to do, people still on the fence. It's a very you know compelling story. It just takes a lot of work. And so there are a lot of journalists out there who just don't do, want to do the work and would rather talk to someone who's vehemently opposed or vehemently supports President Trump, as opposed to someone who has to, you know, they have to dig a little deeper to find out exactly where their head Mm -hmm. is. So we think those people are still up for grabs and and we're going to try to grab them. Uh, You have something tricky to do here. If the COVID factor on the economy continues the way it is, I was looking at unemployment numbers in some of these critical states like Pennsylvania and Michigan, Ohio and Florida. It's in double digits. It's 10 percent, 11 percent in most of those states. Sure. How do you beat that? Well, look, um, it, it's interesting you? because, yeah, yeah, of course we can. Um, the, the, the virus came in, on it's, it's unprecedented. It was unforeseen, came straight out of China. And um, the president's response has been bold. It's been aggressive, um, very decisive. Um, and I, I, we've got to tell that story, and we're doing a, a good job at that. But, but also, just think about how big of a percentage of unemployment these Um, states you mentioned would have had a Democrat been in office prior to COVID. I mean, this president took our unemployment numbers to record lows. We've seen a record high level of employment for African-Americans, Asian-Americans, Hispanic-Americans, women employed at record numbers. So we were starting from a virtually full employment in this country. There were more jobs than there were people to fill them because of Donald Trump's policies uh, because of his economic prowess. That's where we sat. So 
it's horrible that anyone has lost their job. I mean, it's disgusting what China did to us. And anyone who's lost a life, anyone who's lost a livelihood, um, you know, we're fighting tooth and nail to make sure they keep that. The last three months have shown extreme promise because of the economy the president had in place. It's a V-shape right now. It's skyrocketing back up three consecutive months of the largest growth in jobs in American history. And when you look at what Donald Trump wants to do with another tax cut, putting more money in your pocket, continuing to keep regulations low, allowing for expansion and energy exploration versus what Joe Biden wants to do, taxing the American people four trillion dollars. You just mentioned the double digit unemployment in some of these states. You're telling me those people are going to want to see a four trillion dollar tax increase. And on top of that, Joe Biden and his and Kamala Harris want to give tens of millions of illegal aliens not just amnesty, but free health care. How are we going to pay for any of that? That completely depresses the American worker. And so we think okay. having that conversation is very important, and uh, it's going to make people understand just where we where we are and where we can take them to new highs in the next in the next well, term. I appreciate the conversation today. This economy question is critical. It's either the key to a second term, or it might be the key to President Joe Biden. Appreciate you coming on today, Hogan. Thank you for your time. I, I did not know you were a TV reporter in your last life. Where was that? I was in Arkansas. In fact, I got to cover Governor Huckabee. That's how I got to know him, actually, because ah. I covered the, the uh, Capitol there in, in Little Rock, Arkansas. I did some TV in Jonesboro as well. And thankfully, there was no YouTube back then <laughs> because there are no videos. So no one needs to go out there yeah. and try to find them. Well, do you miss it? Um, no. Uh, you know, I, I wanted to take the track of going out of television and then going to work for a politician and then getting back in because I thought, you know, learn a lot about what you want to report on. So when you get out of, of politics, you'll be able to speak really intelligently and, and with, with knowledge of the subject matter. But when I got into politics, I never wanted to get back out. And now because there's so many avenues with which to do television – I kind of get to scratch the itch without doing it all the time. Yeah, I'd agree with you. Yeah, and, indeed it does. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. Hogan, thank you. We will speak to you down the road, and we will see 70-some-odd days away how this all turns out for us, for America, and for the world. Hogan Gidley, thank you. Thank you so much, Bill. I'm Bill Hemmer. This is Hemmer Time. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.